Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me on Jen Taylor Rerouting. My goal is that every guest becomes a friend and I feel truly blessed to know the people that I've interviewed. If you want to know more information about me from being a guest on this show to my virtual assistant services for podcasters, or perhaps you want to be a published author, I have coaching and ghostwriting services for that. You can find everything that you want to know on jentaylor.net. Remember to give a shout out, share, like, Give me some feedback on all of my interviews. I'm happy to join in on the conversation with you. Have a great day. I am super stoked to have Stephanie Peterson with me. Stephanie, how are you? Good. How are you, Jen? I'm awesome. Interviewing is like my favorite, so I'm always awesome um, when I'm interviewing. Now, this is a fun fact. A lot of the time, I don't know the people I'm interviewing. Like, I, I barely, I cyberstalk them to get some information and then jump in. But Stephanie and I live in Reno, and we met running on, on an RTO team, and that's the Reno Tahoe Odyssey, kind of like a, what's the other one that they do? Hood to Coast. Yeah, I don't know that one, but we spent like 30 hours together not sleeping <laughs> when we first met, basically. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> You were the you were driving. It was your vehicle. Yes. <laughs> and so it's kind of like summer camp where you're you are literally six of you in a van rotating through who's running, and you are awake for thirty hours and all, more than slightly delirious. So we kind of got to know each other pretty well, and that was really fun. I I love meeting people in unique situations. Yeah, that was awesome. So one of the fun things is that I want to talk about your running career a little bit because. Let's talk about defining success in ways outside of work. Let's just jump yeah. in. Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's important to me, it, just having worked, I guess, forever, but having a pretty demanding job with Microsoft, I think that it, you, can, you can get wrapped up a bit in the context of success being a title or fiscal success. And so it's really important to me that that's defined well beyond that. So, you know, being a role model and, and your influence into the community, um, taking care of yourself and having personal goals that are important to you. So running, um, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with running actually. Like I've never like considered myself a runner. So I'm like, I love running. Um, but running is a big one, solo traveling. I do a lot of solo traveling. I've done extensive like um, long trips by myself away. Um, so yeah, it, you know, how you care for your family. Uh, like that, like, I think it's important that people think of success much broader than um, the amount of money someone makes or some VP of blah, blah, blah company or whatever. So yeah. And that's super true because what's, when you meet someone at first, one of the first things they ask is, what do you do? Yep. And not who are you or what's important to you or what are your values, but it's what do you do? I like to just answer with trophy wife and that kind of covers everything. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I actually make like, it's hard, right? It, Cause you're trying to do small talk with people, but I really try not to ask people that question because I think that asking someone what they do 
is so is potentially so little of what defines them that it I, I don't I don't know that it gives you for me it doesn't really give me anything material about a human being unless it's in the context of like work or something then it's relevant um, but a lot of times I try not to even ask that question or introduce myself with my own title at work you know so. I didn't know what you did or anything about like <laughs> <laughs> I sent my info. <laughs> Well, no, I, I know I learned somewhere because I was like, holy shit, that's what you, like, that's your job? I knew Stephanie the runner and the person and the mom and the struggles, because we're six women locked in a car for 30 hours. We're talking about the stuff that's important to us and our jobs that never even came on the radar in our talk. So when I learned, I was like, wow, all right. But how cool that we don't always have to know what someone's job title is to talk to them because it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been on, this is, there's some so really exciting things. You've traveled to every content continent except Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is on my list though. I feel like, you know what, I'm six in, might as well just do the seventh. So I want to do one of those like icebreaker boat eco tour things that you go down there and kind of I don't know I just see myself like you know explorer I know that it wouldn't be it would be way more organized than that but I the way I picture it is going to be very um yeah it's just very I'm an explorer and I'm in Antarctica and I, I'm discovering Antarctica <laughs> it's already been discovered I get that <laughs> but not by you but not, but not by me not right. by <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, let's jump into family because you're a mom. So tell me about being a mom and how old the kids are and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I am a mom. I have a 10 year old and I have an eight year old. I have a little girl and a little boy who couldn't be any more different, which I love because I think in parenting, you kind of can get this narcissistic perspective that like everything they do is about you. Like when they're, you know, when they're good human beings, like, oh, I'm an awesome parent. Like, that's all me. And like, when they're kind of crappy human beings, you're like, man, like, you know, other, you know, other people yourself are like, what are, what are you doing wrong? Or what am I doing wrong? But they're totally different, which has been amazing. Cause I'm like, they're just their own people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have two kids and um, they're awesome. I do, you know, we, we do, do a lot with them. I coach my daughter's basketball team. Um, which is super fun. Um, and yeah, so 10 and eight year old. I mean, what can you say? They're just, they're just busy. <laughs> just they're, busy. They are, and they're not complete jerks yet. So, yeah. and they're not toddlers or babies anymore, oh too, which I love in a different way, but I'm kind of, I, I was actually really ready to be past kind of basic needs and into like coaching. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because the basic need stuff was pretty tedious and hard for me, honestly. Like, I like my kids. Like, I teach they they make their own lunches, <laughs> they make their own pancakes in the morning. Like, like I can't can't deal with your basic needs. <laughs> well, and we're all different. I think I love every single stage, every stage. Yeah. And some like I I don't like I like when they get older and they're independent, but I hate not being able to spell and they don't know what you're saying. You know, like there's always yeah. a catch in there, right? Like, yeah, they're independent, but you can't spell anything in front of them because they they know what it, you're yeah. saying. You're right. So, you know, 
I do love the toddler phase. I think that just like, I remember the discovery of everything was really exciting for me to see in my kids. Like the rapidness of like learning and consuming knowledge is mind blowing. So that was super fun. Um, but I don't miss changing diapers. No, no, I don't miss anything, but I loved all of it while it was happening. And I, I wasn't really ever sad to see anything go. So yeah, but there, there's, there's excitement in every stage. So you never see just in your own personal life with the amount of, the amount of kids you're raising. Do you actually ever really not have a face? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, that's funny, you twit. <laughs> so I had to pick up, because we have like 12 kids in 10 and a half years, and they're all high school or older. We have seven okay. out, there's six in college, um, four in high school, you know, like, and then we have the seven-year-old. So everyone's like, oh, you have, how can you have that many kids in high school? Easy. They're all the same. They're all doing the same thing. They're all jerks at the same time. But then we have this seven-year gap. And so it's like an only child in a huge family. And I had to pick her up from chess club yesterday. And I didn't have a car seat, a booster seat. Yeah. And she sat in the car. And I'm like, well, you know, sit on your backpack to raise your butt a little higher. And I realized, like, the seatbelt fits her. And I got home. And I'm like, we got to check the weight and height. <laughs> I think we're, I, we're like, we're so close. We'll never be in car seats again. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've gotten past everything below a booster seat. And... I don't ever have to do it again. So yeah. I, that's cool. And grandkids are so different because you can give them back and yeah. you don't, you don't have, it's not like a permanent, you're stuck with this child, please figure it out. thing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I've actually gotten through a couple stages. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I do remember when I knew I was done breastfeeding, I was like, I need to buy a belt and high heels and I'm going to tuck in my shirt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, I was like, hashtag winning. Okay. My kids are close in age, so I, yeah. and then I, I actually miscarried in between them too, and they're only 18 months apart. So I had a human being either in my body or dependent on my body for like three years straight. And I remember like getting past that point where like your, your hormones kind of start recovering from, from that and being like, I'm going to go get some heels. I'm going dancing. Like. Yeah. I'm having some alcohol. Yeah, like I am a woman. <laughs> this is my body. That's right. And I just got it back. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah, kids are challenging from the point that you're trying to get pregnant and the loss or the the trouble conceiving. I mean, like there's every issue. And as women, yeah. we're going through all we're immersed in every one of those. And so yeah, that's I mean, we could have a whole podcast just Oh, totally. That. I try to remind myself it's the long a long game. It's a long game. <laughs> it is. It's like investing. It's a long <laughs> totally. game. So tell me the difference between, I want to go into your job and I want to go into a lot of stuff, but yeah. I want you to tell me how dynamically opposing your kid's life is to yours and tell me about you growing oh, up. Oh yeah. Thank you for that. Um, it's crazy different. Um, so I grew up, you know, and, and lots of people grew up in these conditions. So I'm going to share it um, and not in the naive con sense of, you know, these are struggles are so unique to me, um, which is why I like to talk about them because I, I hope that more people can relate to them and, and kind of make some step changes um, in their lives too. So, you know, I grew up a uh, family of, gosh, depending on the time, but I have three siblings that I was raised with and my mom. Um, and we grew up below the poverty line 
And, you know, I think at the time, like if you would ask me as a kid, I probably, you know, I, I wouldn't have noticed a difference. Like I had a blast. Like, you know, we had, um, there's an organization children's cabinet here in, um, the community that we did, we, we would get, you know, some of our toys for Christmas from and stuff. I don't think I knew that until I was older. So, it, you know, I, as a kid, I don't think I would have recognized any blaring differences. My, my mom actually worked, one of the jobs she had was at 7-Eleven. She was, so I had like unlimited access to like five cent Tootsie Rolls. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't feel deprived as a kid at Tootsie Rolls. Um, but the reality was there wasn't anybody in my life that was talking to me about my future in the way that allows a step change to a different environment. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't networked into a white collar community. I wasn't really um, introduced to college um, as, as a youth and, 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 and had the understanding of how that, um, you know, how not always, but often is necessary, you know, into, um, getting yourself, you know, especially out of a, um, you know, a, a poverty environment. Um, so now, um, so yeah, that was, that was, it's a big difference. Um, and, um, so now, you know, I, I actually through some programs, through some amazing friends as well in my personal life, um, I did end up in college. I did end up graduating. Um, I studied engineering. I studied mechanical engineering, um, which I don't think you knew either, huh? I just told you that. Um, and then I went on to, um, you know, work in a professional career and I work at Microsoft now. Um, and now it's, it's, it's crazy. Like it's crazy to be raising my kids in, 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 in a scenario where, you know, I can invest in the things they're interested in, um, which, which may not seem like a huge deal, but it is like, think about the confidence our kids get because they can go and play the sports that they like to play. Um, they can build those skill sets of, of within the community or within their, their peers, I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say on that, except it's just, it's huge. And my mind trying to put it into words is actually hard. Well, I was raised the same way. I think growing up, I didn't realize it for a long time um, that there were differences. Maybe junior high school, I'd say. Probably I saw that there were differences in the kind of clothes that people wore. You know, when that crap becomes important. Yeah, that's a good point. Realize. And my best friend's house was not anything like the place I was living. Yeah. So uh, I remember one of the first times I, I kind of, it dawned on me, and it was actually middle school. It was never in elementary school. I went to Echoloder um, Elementary School over on um, Grove and Yori, which even then was you know, a Title I school. It continues to be a Title I school. I'm positive that it's in the 90s um, percentage of, um, I can't remember the, the way they classify um, free and reduced lunch, basically, classifications. Um, but um, I, so it was in middle school when I started meeting friends from, um, you know, in Hidden Valley or even, you know, even Donner Springs, which was like, <laughs> they were very nice neighborhoods, <laughs> you know, to me. And um, I had fruit by the foot at a best friend. She's still a best friend of mine's house. And I was like, oh my gosh, they have the best snacks in their house. Um, but yeah, it wasn't just about the snacks. <laughs> um, I do like snacks. Um, but also as a kid, I, you know, the other times I noticed there was, we, we moved, we lived over on, um, 
like Montello, Montello Street in like East Ninth. And when I moved there, I had some friends who um, whose parents wouldn't let them stay over. And that's the type of scenarios where it's like, oh yeah, like this is, I guess this is different, you know? So. so tell me about the people through high school that when did you, when did it occur to you that college was an option and that it was an option for you specifically? And talk a little bit about, I mean, clearly you're a woman. Talk about being a female minority. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was another one like that you don't really think of. I definitely, I think on that one, I didn't really even think of as something that's a barrier probably until um, I started my professional career. No, maybe in college, in college, uh, studying engineering, but I still didn't view it as a, as a barrier in college. And I think that the, the school and the community environments are kind of ahead of some of the professional environments in terms of inclusion. Um, but I, um, one thing that was huge, and I'm a huge advocate for it, is a program called uh, TRIO Upward Bound. Um, TRIO is a, is a group of federally funded programs that, um, give students the skills, their pre-college preparatory programs. Not all of them, some of them are in, in college too because there's a set of different programs. The one that I benefited from was pre-college. Um, but it's not aid, it's not financial aid. Um, but they take students, they have them live on campus, they have them go to summer school, they give them tutoring and mentoring and make sure they fill out the applications and college tours and so um, that was a big life changer for me and my mom um who you know had her own set of struggles um she was like kind of a hustler so she always like you know she was always working like four jobs but she was also always just figuring like she was really skilled at figuring out resources um which is amazing because i think a lot of people that live in poverty aren't um they don't know what resources are available to them so she happened to find out about this program, Upper Bound, and got me into it. And um, I really don't think that I would have had the discipline and the support and have gained the skills to go into college without that program. That's amazing. And so how did you, I mean, I remember being going to college and mechanical engineering was not remotely on my radar. <laughs> so yeah. I knew where you worked and kind of like where in the echelon that you were, but I didn't realize it was mechanical. How in the world did you go into mechanical engineering? Um, again, and this is why I think role models are so flippin' important. Um, I had a hard time being focused in high school. Like I was like, I missed a lot of school. I had, I, there was a lot of partying going on. Um, and I had a, a teacher, he taught calculus and physics. And I was pretty heavy, high, I was pretty advanced in math because in Upper Bound you had to take summer school. So I was taking all the summer school, so I was kind of advanced in math. So I did like, I did calculus in physics, I think my junior year, and then I did calculus again my senior year. Anyway, this teacher um, was super, he was kind of one of these teachers who was like, you could be a screw up. Um, and I got good grades, but I just didn't really like going to school. But you could be a screw up and he would, he was someone who, would, who could see the heart and potential in someone. And I honestly think that just with that connection and, and feeling validated that I was strong in math and science and having somebody tell me that there's opportunities in you know, careers that are based in this, that was huge for me. Um, his name was Don Johnston. He taught at Wooster High School. Um, but that was a big part for me. And then I also really liked 
um, roller coasters. And I thought I was going to be a roller coaster designer. Now I just <laughs> live on a roller coaster with my family and <laughs> life. <laughs> and I didn't, How's that working I didn't out for you? Design, I didn't go on design roller coasters. Now I'm just on one constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay that I didn't go on design roller coasters. Okay, good. I'm glad that I was wondering if we were going to have some issues talking about the fact that you're not designing roller coasters. <laughs> I don't feel like a failure. Good. Yay. One. Yay. Tell me about your favorite quote and who it's by and why. Oh, well, my favorite quote, well, I have, I have a recent one, but, okay. um, um, that I am a big fan of right now, which is actually by the CEO of Microsoft. Um, and what he says is, our industry does not respect tradition. Um, he goes on to say that, um, actually have to think on, on the spot here, on the next part about innovation. It only respects. Yeah, it only respects innovation. Right. And, um, and I love that. I love that. I know that it's in the context of a technology industry, but I actually take that and think of it in the context of all of our, of our, of our lives and of the constant change. And we just talked about it, like the change and even the raising our kids and the different phases you go through. Um, and I think that concept of, you know, um, breaking down barriers and not being bound to traditions or, you know, definitions of past um, is huge. And so that's what that, that taking that quote and moving it beyond the context of um, the technology industry means a lot to me. Um, there is another, uh, it's not a quote, but there is my favorite poem it is called Man in the Mirror. Um, and I, it's long, so I won't read it, but if you could look at it at some point, it's my favorite. And it's all about, um, it's all about, you know, being having integrity in the way that you live your life um, I'm a big like another well, let me finish this one and then I'll do my squirrel moment um, but having integrity in the way that you live your life and at the end of the day and when you're old and we're gonna die and we all are that you you can look in the mirror and have be proud of and be accountable to yourself and that's it doesn't matter that is who you have to end up that's who you live with forever, you know? And um, so I love that one. And then another favorite one of mine is, which kind of connects to that is, um, don't follow a person's, um, don't follow a person's mouth, follow their hands and their feet. And what it means is like, always pay attention to people's actions. Um, it doesn't matter what, what people say. I mean, it does matter what people say, obviously, but really the, the, the way that, people, their actions and the way that they, um, yeah, the way that, um, yeah, the things that they actually do is what defines them, um, not, not the words that they say. And that's great in parenting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. Oh, yeah. I, I do say, cause you know, I, um, I manage people now and I, I, um, I've managed fairly large teams now. And I do say that everything that you can read all the fancy leadership books in the world, um, but you can, like, everything that I learned from leadership, like, so much of it comes from parenting. I mean, all the concepts, active listening, coaching, um, kind but firm, positive discipline, like, it's all in there. <laughs> so. I wish they did more of a manual on that because really, 
you know, you have to get a license to catch a fish, but anyone can have a child. Which <laughs> I, I don't want that. I don't want people to have to get licenses to have a child. That's not what I'm saying. But so <laughs> clarification. Like, yeah, clarification. But we have a job description in almost every part of our life, except for our marriages and our kids, which are the yeah. most intimate, important, should be relationships that we have. And we have the least amount of guidance, but really... Yeah. It is what you do. It, you can say, you can spout off all you want. If your actions don't follow that up, it does, you're a liar. It does not. You know, it's, it's interesting. It kind of, there's another thing that's kind of related to that around, um, you think of how many, how much money is invested in the um, beauty and health industry, like physical. Um, and then you think about like whether or not people take the time and the investment to um, invest in like their mental health or their relationships. And like when you invest in your relationship through counseling or whatever, it's kind of like, there's almost still a taboo around it, but like you can go to the gym or you can get LASIK or whatever else going on. And, and that's nor more normal, which is crazy to me. Oh yeah. Boot is way more normal than therapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you go to therapy, there's something yeah. wrong, but a boob job is totally okay. <laughs> yes. you can't have multiple. It's totally fine. Yes. You, you feel good about you. That's true. <laughs> So yeah. now tell me, you, you, 20 years ago, you went through um, the program. Yeah, that was talking about Upper Bound. Upper Bound. And um, they helped you that, and with your math and science teacher in high school, which is, it's just important to me that there are people that are pivotal in our lives that make such a big difference. And sometimes it's in passing, and a lot of times they don't even know it. And yeah. It's, it's huge the impact that they have in our lives. So you had a couple of those, including your mom, who was, yeah. I mean, my best friend calls me scrappy. I'm very resourceful. <laughs> yeah. Very resourceful. And I, I mean, I had to be growing up and I had to be having a large family and you just kind of carry some of those lessons into everything. So tell me a little bit more about anyone else you can think about that impacted you. And then I want to segue into what you do for work now, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the impact thing is huge. I had a, um, I think that there's a theme of, um, cause I think about this a lot in mentoring now, like I'm, I'm, I, I'm investing a lot in mentoring others in, um, trying to be a role model for others. Um, and so I think the theme in, you know, the, the pivotal people is that, is that you find these people in your life that they see kind of holistic you. They see that there's bad stuff. They see that there's good stuff and that they love and invest in you. And that's huge. Um, so a couple other places, uh, teachers were always huge for me. And I think that, um, again, kind of growing up in a, in a background where, um, you know, my mom, she did do a good job of kind of being there when, when necessary, but she worked a ton. Um, and so I was pretty dependent on, you know, my teachers and my schooling. And, um, there was a woman and she's, I, I she's, um, I don't think she's well known in the community, but I know she's been recognized in the community. Um, Joanne Elston, who was a teacher for me in Echolodor and got me into the gifted and talented program. And that probably was pretty, pretty instrumental for me as well. Um, I totally lucked out and had um, had really good friends in 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 middle school. I just and again, like you don't really look at your twelve year old friends as role models, but when you're thirty something and thirty, what hell am I? Thirty eight, and looking back, you to, I can totally see it now. You know, I just had good friends 
and I still do the most of them are still in my life um, and then um, you know kind of the connection of, of going into career uh, when I um, when I, oh, there's one other person I have to mention. So when I was in mechanical, studying mechanical engineering, there were, there was only, I graduated myself and one other female in my graduating class. Um, and, and her name, Candace, she's a professor up there now, is someone else who was just instrumental in kind of, especially in the area of focus for me, which is not my strong point. Um, but so when I left, um, when I got hired, I got hired at Microsoft when I was still in, in the university. And um, the person who hired me, there's actually two of them. I, um, I did the total thing that I wish more people would do, where I, they came to my school, they gave a speech about how they're here in Re Microsoft was here in Reno, it was pretty new for them to be in Reno. And they're trying to recruit. And I was doing some leadership stuff on campus for the engineering department. It was a weird class for them to be recruiting at, and it was like October and whatever. So I sent them a note and I said, hey, um, cool that you're trying to recruit, but that venue probably wasn't the best venue. And if you want, I can create you a better venue. <laughs> and by the way, I'm interested. So here's my resume. And then I totally did that thing where I'm like, I'm following up until you acknowledge that I have sent you this and, you know, um, but I got a reply back and they said, well, thank you. We don't need the venue, but we'd love to hire you. So that's how I ended up at, at Microsoft. And again, I think, um, looking at that, you know, you had two professionals pretty far in their career. I think senior level director level professionals that were willing to say, Hey, I see, I see drive. I see resilience. You know, I, you know, I see someone who is willing to come and, you know, shake things up and you know and that was huge for me i needed i needed those people because i i never felt like i was um um that i i had some i don't know and maybe it doesn't exist but some i didn't never i never really felt like i was like you know everybody else i guess i you know it was like I, going back to just it wasn't my parents weren't in professional careers so i didn't have guidance in that area so you know for so fitting into that world was a little uncomfortable for you oh totally uncomfortable um i mean and, and things very tangible too that i don't think people think about like i don't know like going out to dinner for like an interview or with you know clients when you're first hired or whatever like even that's super intimidating like the forks and the why are there so many like you know and <laughs> Um, <laughs> I remember having to learn there's so many <laughs> I had to learn the same thing I didn't understand I mean we just used whatever utensil was clean <laughs> yeah um, the dress right the dress the mannerisms the um, hierarchy structures the I mean there's just so much uh, corporate culture that um, somebody that has never you know been exposed to that um, you know may not may not be able to feel like they can assimilate to um, and that is why I think it's super important and, and I do a lot of work in this area that um, you know uh, industries that are serious about diversity and inclusion um, they can't they have to move away from this idea that people should assimilate you know um, and, and need to be like like everyone else, you know, and that's that will never work. <laughs> well, that's a travesty to yeah. everyone. 
there and there's there are some statistics out there that are being shared pretty broadly that um i don't i'm gonna mess up on the exact statistic because i will but it's like um it's either in you know 50 years or by the year 2050 the minority population in the united states will outnumber the white population in the united states and so if you don't make an investment in them now if you don't make an investment in because there is a correlation that minorities there's more minorities that um, are below the poverty line. If you don't make an investment in that now, I do think it will have an impact to what talent is available in the workforce, how big the poverty gap gets. Um, yeah. So. Absolutely. So since people can't see you, what minority are you? Um, I'm Hispanic. I, uh, my, my grandparents, my mom's side are from, uh, are from Mexican descent. Yeah. And then on my, um, my dad is actually, that's kind of a whole other thing. Cause he, I believe I need to do the 23 and me and like, really like figure out who I am, but, um, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll figure it out at some point. Um, but my dad has Portuguese descent. Um, but he was adopted, um, by a family. So I actually have this whole other side because I'm not close with my father either, that I don't even know. I'll do, I'll do. I know my husband is not Portuguese, so <laughs> other Perfect. than that. You're good. I, I think you're, you're good. good. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So tell me what you're doing. You, so you actually got hired from Microsoft in your senior year of college? At yeah, my senior okay. year of college, yeah, I was 21. I was 21 when I started. I know uh, you're a director now. Yep. And you're 10% you're in the top 10% of employees at that level and you're female and you're yes. Hispanic and it's a fortune 500 list. that's ranked number 28. Yes. So these are like any one of these things. Yeah. You're female. Yes. You're Hispanic. Yes. I mean, any one of these things isn't really maybe a really big deal, but when you start to put them together, it has a sort of a compound interest effect. Yeah. Right. Tell me, tell me about what it was like, Growing up is interesting when you live here. I don't see you as Hispanic and me as white. I'm white, by the way, yeah. in case you didn't. <laughs> I didn't want. I didn't want to. I didn't want to stereotype the person. <laughs> Generalize. It's all good. Um, but you know, like for me, I don't even notice that. I don't see that at all. But I know for you, that's much different. So, you have number 28 on the Fortune 500 list in the top 10% of employees directing female minority. So let's talk from college to now, which is almost like what, 16 years? Gosh, I think 20, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably not. 16, yeah. 16 to 20 years. Tell me about that whole progress for you and the struggles involved in that. Yeah. Um, and the successes. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting because I think one of the biggest things, and, and I, it's weird, I don't know if this is good advice or not, but I never really thought of things as a struggle and I never really um, felt like um, others were putting up barriers for me. And I think there's a couple things in that. One, I think it's your own mindset and your own resilience um, that you, you know, that you're not focusing on those things. And I think that's healthy. And the, on the other side of that, I think that um, a lot of biases are not conscious biases. Like a lot of biases aren't, um, hey, you know, I purposely don't like somebody because they're different than me. I don't think that's what people have in their minds for the most part. I do think that um, 
familiarity and comfort and um, having others that think like you. I think there's science behind people surrounding themselves, you know, in that. So, and that's why I think that you do have um, a history of percentage of Mount of leaders being, um, you know, white male um, in, in C-level positions. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, I wanted to just enter with that, I think. Um, but for myself coming in into the question of kind of what barriers and different things existed, um, I think the barriers would have been probably more connected to unconscious biases, like not, not anybody out to get me <laughs> because I'm a female or because I'm a minority. Um, and I think the way that I, you know, approach those barriers was, um, um, I think there's a lot of resilience, you know, in, and I think that people, you know, often that for whatever reason believe they are the underdog, whether that's true or not, tend to come with a lot of grit and resilience um, of this feeling like I can overcome this challenge. I can overcome, you know, I can get to this point or that point. Um, I think a big part of it, you know, at the end of the day as well, like your performance and how you treat other people is huge. Um, so you only get back what you're willing to give to others. Um, and so there, again, like I'm not, I'm not entitled to anything. I'm not entitled to anything. People who, who are born with privilege really aren't entitled to anything, but there is a difference in terms of what you're, what is at your mean at your, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, like what's available to you. What's available to you. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't believe that I'm entitled to anything. Uh, definitely. Um, so I, I think that your performance, your resilience, and then back to, I love your question about um, just mentors and people that are willing to invest in you. And that's huge. And I had a series of that in, in my, in my career. Um, and in part of, um, you know, becoming a, a director, I guess, at a, uh, I don't know why I said, I guess, see, this is like the female thing of like apologizing for like our, you know, our successes. So um, I, um, I don't remember. I lost my train of thought on that okay. one. So for you, basically climbing the corporate ladder, a big part of it is not apologizing for the fact that you have to have some level of awesome in, in your personality and in your work ethic um, for people to want to mentor you and sponsor you and to climb that corporate ladder. You actually do have to put in the work to you do, do that. You do have to put in the work. Now, I do think there's an accountability to others of saying, you know what, I'm going to invest in people who aren't like me and I'm going to figure out what their awesomeness is. So I, I think it's a partnership in like the world and the way our brains work where you have to take personal accountability. I'm going to kick ass. And then you also have to take accountability to the people in your lives to say, I'm going to figure out what it is about this person who may not be like me that makes them kick ass. Right. Because we're all, we all very unique and you're, you are correct that by trying to fit everyone in a box, we're doing a disservice to ourselves and them. We're not capitalizing oh. on the best of any of it. Yeah, totally. So you, you did um, kick ass uh, in your attitude and your work ethic and you've worked up in the last uh, 16 years to be a director. Yeah, I left for a while actually. So I started my career. I was and I, again, going back to kind of the people who, who recruited and hired me, um, one of the coolest things that happened from a career growth perspective is that I had somebody put me in 
like a big girl job um, even before maybe traditionally somebody would have. So, you know, I just, I got a big job right away and I do think that makes a difference again. And again, that goes, goes back to go for things, like just freaking go for things. Like don't, don't hang out waiting to decide if you are ready or if you have X or Y or Z, like just freaking go after it. Cause I guarantee there's 20 other people who also want some of these things that just aren't going for it, you know? Um, But I was, I was here, I was at Microsoft for about four years or three, somewhere in there. I don't know. The counting's harder as you get older, but for a certain amount of years. And then I actually left um, and went to South America. Um, I snowboarded and I wanted to have endless winters. And I did that for about three years. Um, and then started my family and I kind of worked part-time when my kids were young. Um, so I took about a seven year semi hiatus and then rejoined in 2011. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's important just that people recognize they can do that. And again, like I remember a a friend of mine when I was thinking of quitting, it was a big decision because I was well supported and things were going great in my career and high fives all around. And um, I was struggling with this decision to like quit this great job, go travel alone, one way ticket, you know, whatever. And I had a friend, he was like, Steph, do you really think as an old person, you're going to be looking back and going like, man, if I didn't leave and go travel the world, like I would have, you know, like what, like got a promotion two years earlier. So um, that was really valuable advice to me, um, especially at that age, because, you know, in my, I was probably in my mid twenties. Um, time felt a lot bigger than it is now. Like it's, I guess not in meaning, but in how it felt. Like now if somebody said, you know, you're going to do something for a year, I would realize that that's going to be like five minutes. And then like a year was like, you know, 10% of my life. (laughs) No, more than that. Right. Well, yeah. It's like when you're a kid, (laughs) you're going to be dead. Yeah. Right. Like you'll be dead by 25. Because 25 as a six-year-old seems like forever. Like that's, well, (laughs) that was great advice. I, you know, I talk to my teenage kids now a lot and I'm glad I raised them a certain way, but I, I think as adults, we try to do the right thing or the responsible thing. And so we were talking about <laughs> tattoos and piercings. And my daughter looks at me and goes, well, why haven't you done the things that you've wanted to do in your life? Well, part of that maybe was a good choice. <laughs> 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 and part of it's because when you have kids, you you can't do everything that you want to yeah. do. But also I was like, well, I just wanted to be an example. I wanted to be a good example. So I didn't get that tattoo. And she's like, yeah, so we grew up pretty much knowing who you are. And you raised <laughs> us like when you're, when you're in your retirement home, kicking it with your old people, homies, are you going to regret doing things or not doing things? And yeah. most guarantee you're going to regret not doing Yeah, Absolutely. So, I think that's important. And I think it's harder. Yeah. It is harder to make those trade-offs. The more responsible you become to other human beings. Yes, so absolutely. I tell people now, like, if you want to, like, if you want to be awesome at something, <laughs> go and do it before yeah. you have kids. And not that you can't be awesome at things when you have kids, because we all are, right. um, but your investment is different in terms of the time you have and your, you know, the, not even just the time, but, you know, your, your accountability to invest in other people being awesome is much higher than, I, I feel like it's much higher than my accountability right now to myself sometimes. 
I think the words selfish and self-care are looked at in a derogatory manner and they shouldn't be. Being selfish, serving yourself for some purpose doesn't mean that there's anything negative behind it. Totally. And I, anyway, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a total tangent. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we should, I mean, you did what you should do for your own personal success and that's healthy. Yeah, totally. So I want to kind of finish up and talk about, you're involved um, speaking, I mean, you're, you're involved with Microsoft and kicking butt there um, and you're you're involved with upward bound because it made such a difference with you but where else are your passions involved right now um robin who was also stuck on the in the van, yeah. suburban with us so i know a little bit about what you're doing but tell me what you're doing now because i think giving back is one of the biggest ways to show our appreciation yeah there's kind of two places so the the organization that well, actually I'll expand that to three. The organization that I was a part of, the, the TRIO programs and the TRIO Upper Bound programs, um, I do a lot of volunteer work with them and I try to be specifically focused on because they're all about, and the way they get their funding is um, either pre-college or in college uh, and then also postgraduate programs. Um, so I'm very focused on, cool, how as a professional, in a, a leader in the professional industry, can I help those programs, ready those students to enter the professional and, you know, uh, uh, industry and, and, and move on to great jobs. So that's one, one way. Um, another way is through in, in hitting on Robin, um, who is amazing. Um, you, you should probably have her on if you haven't yet, because she's so inspirational. Um, but she is the incoming president for the Crisis Call Center in Northern Nevada. Um, and so I, um, through the connection of RTO and 30 hours of not sleeping, and then, it, I mean, honestly, a year later, we started talking about it. Um, I'm a board member there, too. Um, and that's super important to me. Um, I think that so many things and so many barriers are actually rooted to mental health issues within, you know, the community. Um, by the way, when I talk about poverty, I think there's a strong connection there. I think, you know, I think there's so much connection um, to, to mental health, um, that that's an area that I, I really um, am, am connected to. Um, I, I have personal, my, my um, uncle committed suicide. He, um, he had some pretty major PTSD um, and he committed suicide and I have a couple family members who've attempted. Um, so on a personal level, that's really important. Um, and then that organization's amazing. I like, I thought I knew crisis call center, like I knew it's a hotline. There is so much more that that organization does. It's basically a triage center for all the resources in the community for people who are struggling. And that's pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm honored. Um, I'm, I'm new to the board and like, I'm kind of like really, and this is, this is how my mind always works. Like I'm already like, am I doing enough? Like, what can I be doing? <laughs> how can I help? Like what needs to get done? So I, I, I'll probably bother them again here soon to just check if I can, what, I can, what else I can be doing. Um, but it's an amazing organization. I'm so grateful to be part of that. And then the last thing is through, you know, being somebody that is part of the technology industry, being a minority leader there um, and a female leader there. I'm, you know, I, I'm using my voice more, um, you know, hopefully to model and support um, you know, how we bring diverse and inclusive um, cultures into the, the workplace. So, um, and I think that's important. I mean, so many of the future jobs are gonna be STEM related. Um, and so they need to be inclusive of, of the people that are gonna come up and, and fill them. 
Absolutely. I love how uh, poignant it is your personal experience in growing up and where that's directed you to, to better yourself and then to turn around and help other people because you get them. You yeah. understand them. And it's fresh too. You know, I probably is as early as maybe even five years ago, maybe even less. I wasn't as open um, and I, I didn't use my background as as something that's powerful. Um, and I think that is, is huge. Like I, I just, I think people, and I love that you're doing this podcast because I think it's focused on that. It's focused on the fact that people struggle, people have barriers, people have hardships, and that's not something, that's something that can be used as power. That's something that you can take your vulnerabilities and that really is courage. And that's huge. So it's so, a, I know you're probably about to thank me, but thank you for, for doing a podcast like this and, and bringing that to the, the, the world. Well, it's inspiring. And I mean, I think what you're, the goal is with you and I both, I mean, with most of us, is that you want to bring a little bit more awareness because you get it and have people not feel alone because that's a really horrible place to feel is that aloneness um, in, in within your struggle, whatever it is. And then to elevate them and that, yes, those struggles are strained. We just, yeah. we just need to shift them that way. Yeah, totally. Thank you so Great. much, Steph. Oh, thank you. I, appreciate I always it. love hanging out with you. I know we need more car rides. <laughs> I'm going to start running again. So yay! I'll see you there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor rerouting like share and of course comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.